0: Welcome to today's podcast, we're going to be talking about step 10 and reading from a few books and then I'll be reading from the 12 and 12 about step 10 and some of my own personal views on step 10. Let's go ahead and open the session with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, and the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to no difference. Amen. This is from the book Hope for Today. Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. Reminds me that I have the right to be human. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it, reminds me that I have the right to be human. My sponsor tells me that God made me a perfect human being, not to be a perfect God. I certainly do engage regular in white array of human behaviors, making mistakes, harming others, and hurting myself. No matter how long I am in recovery, I never progress beyond being human. However, accepting my human condition doesn't mean I have to live with the uncomfortable feelings such as guilt and shame, which often go along with making human mistakes. Step 10 invites me to regularly keep a finger on my spiritual pulse so I can cooperate with God in my spiritual growth and healing. It says that if I do or say something wrong, I can stop, turn around, and do something different now. Step 10 invites me to grow up, to be responsible, and to make amends, all for my own benefit. I take step 10 because I want to be the best me I can be. Thought for the day. <clears throat> when I continue to take personal inventory and amend my wrongs, I can live my life peacefully with God's other children. This step continues the process which began with step four, being aware of the things we do and taking corrective measures without delay. Amen. And that quote, this step continues the process which began with step four, being aware of the things we do and taking corrective measures without delay. It's taken from the Alateen, 12 and 12, page 20. Incredible, huh? And now we're going to shift gears. We have an article here from the grapevine. And October 2020, it's, it's Tradition 10. Oh, I thought it was Step 10. This is Tradition 10. Huh. Well, like they say, there's no mistakes in AA. And I promptly admit it, I made a mistake. Now, wait a minute, here it is. I didn't make a mistake. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. <laughs> as soon as I, I admitted it, it turned different. All right, spot check on I-94. Today's story comes to us from a AA member from St. Peter, Montana. Andy A. Thank you, Andy, for sending this story and doing all the hard work of writing it. Here we go. We were due at a birthday party in just a few minutes. We were almost always late to parties, but we had to be early for this one because we were hosting. I hadn't looked at my GPS direction to the party venue until the car ride was already underway. Turn right when you exit the interstate, it announced. Or so I thought. Look for street numbers, I said to the carload of Fort Great Girls and my son Silas, who is eight, and on the awesome spectrum. He was experiencing the accumulated auditory overstimulation of riding with a carload of Fort Great Girls. It took a half a mile or more to see a street number, 1360. We were looking for 524. "'How long will we get there?' one of the girls shouted in her outside voice. "'This is boring. It's probably about a mile and a half away,' I replied. "'So like 20 minutes,' she asked. "'Like three minutes,' I said, and all the other kids laughed. "'I felt slightly superior to the entire world for a half second "'until I noticed another street number, 1548, and another 1560.'" The numbers were increasing when they should have been decreasing. I felt instant frustration, anger, inadequacy, fear. My heart rate was climbing under my breath. I muttered, we're going the wrong way. Expletive, expletive way. Did you just say the F word? My daughter Sarah asked, shocked and surprised. Well, I muttered, I thought about lying A snap reaction, oh, Andy, I used to do, but I confessed and said, no one was supposed to hear that, I said. My dad just said the F word in a car full of little kids. Sarah announced at a top volume, it's my 10th birthday, all my best friends are here, and my dad just said the F word. This is the best day ever. I said the F word in class one time, Announced the bored girl. I thought only once. But I couldn't rejoice in security this time because I was too busy visualizing ways that the party would be ruined now that we were suddenly running late. It didn't help that Silas was starting to melt down from the excess stimulation and there was nothing I could do right then and then to help him. As though we weren't enough I was extremely disappointed with myself that my daughter had heard me curse. But right then, I got the buzz of a phone notification. I pulled over. It was a text from my brother. I'm here, it said. Where are you? I went the wrong way on 94, I text back. Oh, my, came a text back. Then another, are you okay? Followed by, like, wrong turn or wrong way? Wrong turn, I text back, and somehow at the U-turn, I was able to stop and experience some perspective, some gratitude, some acceptance, a nice out-of-self inventory of what my current situation really was. I realized that I was in the car with my daughter and son on a very special day. She had her best friends with her. Most friends would be waiting at the party venue. My wife, Tiffany, would arrive at the venue before I would to check in, to set up, to greet arriving guests. She had done a ton of work already to pull this party off. We would still make it to the party, but it's scheduled start time. We just wouldn't be early like we planned. Silas would have relief from the noise in just a few minutes, and overall, he's becoming more and more high-functioning at parent-teacher conferences the previous week. A small group of educators told me Silas was going doing so well in school that they were going to reevaluate him to see if they needed special services at all. My daughter was shocked enough by hearing me curse under my breath that it somehow made her day. She didn't remember that old Andy, the drinking Andy, used to curse at the top volume all the time. I'm sober now and sober is my normal. Oh, Andy mostly stays home and most importantly this upsetting detour only resulted in a simple wrong turn not something much worse. I wasn't driving this carload of my kids and another people's kids directly into oncoming traffic. I could be very very grateful for that. Yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery. All we have is today. After running the, that spot check inventory today and decided how to proceed, I determined that Sarah was correct. Today was the best day ever because we both decided to make it so and orient our outlooks accordingly. What I learned in AA is that all of us every day have the power to make today the best or worst day ever. And sitting here at the end of it, yes, today was long, I say it was challenging. It had some down moments. I could have done more and I could have done better. But all things t- tallied while comparing it to my own history and letting tomorrow's mysteries fade into the shadow where it belongs. Today was the best day. Tomorrow will be even better. The things we do affect others. Picking up her daughter at the party, one parent pulled Tiffany aside and thanked her for inviting her child. They had just moved here. The girl was new in school and a little depressed, discouraged. She didn't feel she was had any friends. When she got the party invitation from Sarah, she got some hope and some really healthy pride, and she showed up and had a great time. And we all had a better time because she was there. Now, that I'm sober, life is a two-way street. You make a wrong turn, all you have to do is turn around And head in the direction of your best day by Andy A. St. Peter, Montana. Thank you very much. Andy, that's awesome. Stop and choose to have the best day of your life. Say, I thank you, God, for what's going on. I choose joy with you. I choose happiness with you. And that's about the only thing that works for me. I choose God in the midst of chaos. Now, the reading of step 10 from the 12 and 12. Listen up, please. Perk your ears up like this is the first time you ever heard it. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. I was at a meeting today, and we read this when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. And that jumped out of the pages. I was reading chapter 5. Here in Southern California, in the West Coast, we try and read a, a portion of chapter 5. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I do it out of memory. And I'm looking at the trees because we have meetings outside in the oak trees. We had a guy there with 47 years, my sponsor. We had a, one of his sponsees with... 34 years. Uh, we have another guy with 17 years. Then, then myself with 27 years. And then the other guys with five. And then we had a guy that drank a couple of days ago. So it was a big... Uh, it was interesting meeting. And the point I'm making is I was reading it. the uh, When we were wrong, promptly admitting it. And saying, hey, I messed up. Before it was... Hide, 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 and cover, cover up, and don't know how to deal with it. And, and then it becomes um, a cut-up cut up feeling problems that go deep in the heart. So the best way to undo it is say, thank you, God, for the way I'm feeling, okay? And that's our antidote. That's our medicine, that there's humor in it, there's peace, there's joy, and we go to God first and admit our wrong. Thank you, God, I thought that. Thank you, God, I, I, I put action to that. Thank you, God, I did that. Thank you, God, for the way I'm feeling, for my emotional sobriety. And thank you, God, for the way my emotions my emotions are acting up. You keep thanking God and you we will open up a reservoir, a channel of water that will fill our reservoir and we will never grow dry. We will always have love for ourselves and forgiveness for ourselves and forgiveness for others. We're doing life and life with abundantly. Life that works. I thank you God for my feelings just the way they are. Copy. Copy. All right. As we work first steps as we work the first nine steps we prepare ourselves for the adventure of a new life. But when we approach step ten we commence to put our AA way of living to practical use day by day, in fair weather or fall. Then comes the acid test, can we stay sober, keep in emotional balance and live to good purpose under all conditions? A continuous look at our assets and liabilities and a real desire to learn and grow by this means are necessities for us. We alcoholics have learned this the hard way. More experienced people, of course, in all times, places, have practiced unsparing self-serving and criticism. For the wise has always known that no one can make much of his life until self-searching becomes a regular habit until he is able to admit and accept what he finds, and until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. When a drunk has a terrible hangover because he drunk heavily yesterday, he cannot live well today. But there is another kind of hangover which we all experience, whether we are drinking or not. That is the emotional hangover, the direct result of yesterday and sometimes today's, excesses of negative emotion like anger, fear, jealousy, and the like. If we would live serenely today and tomorrow, we certainly need to eliminate these hangovers. This doesn't mean we need to wander morbidly around in the past. It requires an admission and correction of errors now. Our inventory enables us to settle with the past, when this is done, we are really able to leave it behind us. When our inventory is, fu- is carefully taken and we have made peace with ourselves, and conviction follows that tomorrow's challenges can be met as they come. Although all inventories are alike in principle, the time factor does distinguish one from another. There's the spot check inventory taken at any time of the day. Whenever we find ourselves getting tangled up, there's the one we take at the day's end when we review the happenings of the hour just past. Here we cast up a balance sheet, crediting ourselves with things well done. I said, crediting ourselves with things well done. And chalking up debits were due. Then there's are those occasions when alone or in company of our sponsor or spiritual advisor, we make a careful review of our progress since that last time. Many AAs go in for annual or semi-annual house cleanings. Many of us also like the experience of an occasional retreat from the outside world where we can quiet down for an undisturbed day or so of self-overhaul and medication. Aren't these practices joy killers as well as time consumers? Must AA spend most of their walking hours dreading rehashing their sins of omission and commission? Well, hardly. The emphasis on inventory is heavy only because a great many of us have never really acquired the habit of accurate self-appraisal. Once this healthy practice has become grooved, it will be so interesting and profitable that... The time it takes won't be missed, for these minutes and sometimes hours spent in self-examination are bound to make all the other hours of our day better and happier. And at length, our inventory becomes a regular part of everyday living rather than something unusual or set apart. Before we ask what a spot check inventory is, let's look at the kind of setting in which such an inventory can do its work. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. If somebody hurts us, we are on the sore. If we are in the wrong, also. But are there no exceptions to this rule? What about justifiable anger? If someone cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can we properly can we be properly angry with self-righteous folks? For for us of AA, there are dangerous exceptions. We have found that justified anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it. Few people have been more victimized by resentments than have we alcoholics it matters little whether, whether little whether our resentments were justified or not a burst of temper could spoil a day and a well nursed grudge could make us miserably ineffective nor were we ever, ever skillful in separating justified from unjustified anger as we saw it our wrath was always justified anger that occasional luxury of more balanced people could keep us and an emotional jag indefinitely. These emotions drive benders often lead straight to the bottle. Other kinds of disturbances, jealousy, envy, self-pity, or hurt pride did the same thing. A spot check inventory takes, taken in the midst of such disturbances can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Today, spot check is chief application to situations which arise in each day's march. The consideration of long-standing difficulties had better be postponed when possible. No time deliberately set aside for that purpose. The quick inventory is aimed at our daily ups and downs, especially those where people or new events throw us off balance and tempt us to make mistakes. In all these situations, we need self-restraint. Honest analysis of what is involved. A willingness to admit when the fault is ours. And an equal willingness to forgive when the fault is elsewhere. We need not to be discouraged when we fall into the error of our old ways. For these disciplines are not easy. We shall look for progress, not for perfection. Our first objective will be the development of self-restraint. This carries a top priority rating. When we speak or act hastily or rashly, the ability to be fair-minded and tolerates evaporates on the spot. One kind tirade, one unkind tirade, or one willful snap judgment can ruin our relationship with another person for a whole day or maybe for a whole year. Nothing pays off like the restraint of tongue and pen. We must avoid quick temper criticism and furious power-driven argument. The sample goes, the saying goes for sulking or silent scorn. These are emotional booby traps baited with pride and vengefulness. Our first job is to do sidesteps the straps. When we are tempted by the bait we, We should train ourselves to step back and think, for we can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. Disagreeable or unexpected problems are not only the ones that call for self-control. We must be quite as careful when we begin to achieve some measure of importance or material success. For no people have ever loved personal triumphs more than we alcoholics. We drank of success of a wine which could never fail to make us feel elated. When temporary good fortune came our way, we indulge ourselves in fantasies of still greater victories over people and circumstances, thus blinded by prideful self-confidence we were apt to play the big shot, of course, people turned away from us, bored or hurt. Now that we're in AA and sober and winning back the esteem of our friends and business associates, we find that we still need to exercise special vigilance as an insurance against big shotism. We can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober only by the grace of God, and that any success we may be having is far more his success than ours. Finally, we begin to see that all people, including ourselves, are to some extent emotionally ill as well as frequently wrong. And then we approach true tolerance and see what real love for our fellow actually means. It will become more and more evident as we go forward that it is pointless to become angry or to get hurt by people who, like us, are suffering from the pains of growing up. Such a radical change in our outlook will take time, maybe a lot of time. Not many people can truthfully assert that they love everybody. Most of us must admit that we have love, but a few that we have been quite indifferent to the many so long as none of them gave us trouble. And as far as for the remainder, well, we have really disliked or hated them. Although these attitudes are common enough, we AAs find we need something much better in order to keep our balance. We can't stand it if we hate deeply. The idea that we can be possessively loving of a few can ignore the many and can continue to fear or hate anybody, has to be abandoned. It is only a little at a time, if only. We can stop trying to make unreasonable demands upon those we love. We can show kindness where we have shown none. With those we dislike, we can begin to practice justice and courtesy, perhaps being out of our way to understand and help them perhaps going out of our way to help them. Whenever we fail any of these people, we can promptly admit it to ourselves always and to them also when the admission would be careful. Courtesy, kindness, justice, and love are the keynotes by which we may come into harmony with practical anybody. When in doubt, we can always pause saying, Not my will, but thine would be done. And we can often ask ourselves, am I doing to others as I would have them do to me today? When evening comes, perhaps just before going to sleep, many of us draw up a balance sheet for the day. This is a good place to remember that inventory taking is not always done in red ink. It's a poor day indeed when we haven't done something right. As a matter of fact, we... The walking hours are usually well filled with things that are constructive. Good intentions, good thoughts, and good acts are there for us to see. Even when we have tried hard and failed, we may chalk that up as one of the greatest credits of all. Under these conditions, the pains of failure are converted into assets. Out of them, we receive the stimulation. We need to go forward. Someone who knew what he was talking about once remarked that pain was the touchstone of all spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with him. For we know that the pains of drinking had to come before sobriety and emotional turmoil before serenity. As we glance down the debit side of the day's ledger, we should carefully examine our motives in each thought or act that appears to be wrong. In most cases, our motives won't be hard to see and understand. When prideful, angry, jealousy, anxious, or fearful, we acted accordingly, and that was that. Here, we need only recognize that we did act or think badly. Try to visualize how we might have done better, and resolve with God's help to carry these lessons over into tomorrow, making a course. Any amends still neglected. But in other instances, only the closest to scrutiny will reveal what our true motives are or were. There are cases where our ancient enemy, realization, has stepped in and has justified conduct which was really wrong. The temptation here is to imagine that we have had good motives and reasons when we really don't. We constructively criticize someone who needs it. When our real motive was to win, real motive was to win a useless argument, or the person concerned not being present, we thought we were helping others to understand him. When in actuality, our true motive was to feel superior by pulling him down. We sometimes hurt those we love because they need to be taught a lesson. When we really want to punish When we really want to punish, we were depressed and complaining, we felt bad. When in fact we were mainly asking for sympathy and attention. This whole we were depressed and complaining we felt bad when in fact we were mainly asking for sympathy and attention. This odd trait of mind and emotion, this perverse wish to hide a bad motive underneath a good one, permeates human affairs from top to bottom. This subtle and elusive kind of self-righteousness can underlie the smallest act or thought. Learning daily to spot admit, and correct these flaws in the essence of character building and good living an honest regret for harms done, a genuine gratitude for blessings received, and a willingness to try for better things tomorrow, will be the permanent asset. Of the, uh, permanent asset we shall seek, having so consider our day, not omitting to take due notice of things well done, and having searched our hearts for neither fear nor favor. We can truly thank God for the blessings we have received and sleep in good conscience. Amen. The word thank you for listening to today's podcast of the Step Ten. Welcome to today's podcast. We're gonna be talking about step ten and reading from a few books. And then I'll be reading from the 12 and 12 about step 10 and some of my own personal views on step 10. Let's go ahead and open the session with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to no difference. Amen. This is from the book, Hope for Today, Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. Reminds me that I have the right to be human. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. Reminds me that I have the right to be human. My sponsor tells me that God made me a perfect human being. Not to be a perfect God. I certainly do engage regular in wide array of human behaviors, making mistakes, harming others, and hurting myself. No matter how long I am in recovery, I never progress beyond being human. However, accepting my human condition doesn't mean I have to live with the uncomfortable feelings, such as guilt and shame, which often go along with making human mistakes. Step 10 invites me to regularly keep a finger on my spiritual pulse so I can cooperate with God in my spiritual growth and healing. It says that if I do or say something wrong, I can stop, turn around, and do something different now. Step 10 invites me to grow up, to be responsible, and to make amends, all for my own benefit. I take step 10 because I want to be the best me I can be. Doubt for the day. When I continue to take personal inventory and amend my wrongs, I can live my life peacefully with God's other children. This step continues the process which began with step 4, being aware of the things we do and taking corrective measures without delay. Amen. And that quote, this step continues the process which began with step four. Being aware of the things we do and taking corrective measures without delay is taken from the Alatine 12 and 12, page 20. Incredible, huh? And now we're going to shift gears. We have an article here from the Grapevine. At October 220, 2020, it's, it's Tradition 10. Oh, I thought it was step 10. This is tradition 10. Huh. Well, like they say, there's no mistakes in AA. And I promptly admit it. I made a mistake. Now, wait a minute. Here it is. I didn't make a mistake. Step 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. <laughs> as soon as I, I admitted it, it turned different. All right, spot check on I-94. Today's story comes to us from a AA member from St. Peter, Montana, Andy A. Thank you, Andy, for sending this story and doing all the hard work of writing it. Here we go. We were due at a birthday party in just a few minutes. We were almost always late to parties, but we had to be early for this one because we were hosting. I hadn't looked at my GPS direction to the party venue until the car ride was already underway. Turn right when you exit the interstate, it announced, or so I thought. Look for street numbers, I said to the carload of Fort Great Girls and my son Silas, who is eight, and on the awesome spectrum. He was experiencing the accumulated auditory overstimulation of riding with a carload of Fort Great Girls. It took a half a mile or more to see a street number, 1360. We were looking for 524. How long will we get there? One of the girls shouted in her outside voice. This is boring. It's probably about a mile and a half away, I replied. So like 20 minutes, she asked. Like three minutes, I said. And all the other kids laughed. I felt slightly superior to the entire world for a half second until I noticed another street number, 1548, and another 1560. The numbers were increasing when they should have been decreasing. I felt instant frustration, anger, inadequacy, fear. My heart rate was climbing under my breath. I muttered, we're going the wrong way. Expletive, expletive way. Did you just say the F word? My daughter Sarah asked, shocked and surprised. Well, I muttered, I thought about lying, a snap reaction, old Andy, I used to do, but I confessed and said, no one was supposed to hear that, I said. My dad just said the F word in a car full of little kids. Sarah announced at a top volume, it's my 10th birthday. All my best friends are here, and my dad just said the F word. This is the best day ever. I said the F word in class one time, announced the bored girl. I thought only once, but I couldn't rejoice in security this time because I was too busy visualizing ways that the party would be ruined now that we were suddenly running late. It didn't help that Silas was starting to melt down from the excess stimulation and there was nothing I could do right then and then to help him, as though we weren't enough I was extremely disappointed with myself that my daughter had heard me curse. But right then, I got the buzz of a phone notification. I pulled over. It was a text from my brother. I'm here, it said. Where are you? I went the wrong way on 94, I text back. Oh, my, came a text back. Then another, are you okay? Followed by, like, wrong turn or wrong way. Wrong turn, I text back, and somehow at the U-turn, I was able to stop and experience some perspective, some gratitude, some acceptance, a nice out-of-self inventory of what my current situation really was. I realized that I was in the car with my daughter and son on a very special day. She had her best friends with her. Most friends would be waiting at the party venue. My wife, Tiffany, would arrive at the venue before I would to check in, to set up, to greet arriving guests. She had done a ton of work already to pull this party off. We would still make it to the party, but it's scheduled start time. We just wouldn't be early like we planned. Silas would have relief from the noise in just a few minutes, and overall, he's becoming more and more high-functioning at parent-teacher conferences the previous week. A small group of educators told me Silas was going doing so well in school that they were going to reevaluate him to see if they needed special services at all. My daughter was shocked enough by hearing me curse under my breath that it somehow made her day. She didn't remember that old Andy, the drinking Andy, used to curse at the top volume all the time. I'm sober now and sober is my normal. Oh, Andy mostly stays home and most importantly this upsetting detour only resulted in a simple wrong turn not something much worse. I wasn't driving this carload of my kids and another people's kids directly into oncoming traffic. I could be very very grateful for that. Yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery. All we have is today. After running that spot check inventory today and decided how to proceed, I determined that Sarah was correct. Today was the best day ever because we both decided to make it so and oriented our outlooks accordingly. What I learned in AA is that all of us every day have the power to make today the best or worst day ever. And sitting here at the end of it, yes, today was long, I say it was challenging. It had some down moments. I could have done more and I could have done better. But all things tallied while comparing it to my own history and letting tomorrow's mysteries fade into the shadow where it belongs. Today was the best day. Tomorrow will be even better. The things we do affect others. Picking up her daughter at the party, one parent pulled Tiffany aside and thanked her for inviting her child. They had just moved here. The girl was new in school and a little depressed, discouraged. She didn't feel she was had any friends. When she got the party invitation from Sarah, she got some hope and some really healthy pride. And she showed up and had a great time. And we all had a better time because she was there. Now, that I'm sober, life is a two-way street. You make a wrong turn, all you have to do is turn around and head in the direction of your best day by Andy A. St. Peter, Montana. Thank you very much. Andy, that's awesome. Stop and choose to have the best day of your life. Say, I thank you, God, for what's going on. I choose joy with you. I choose happiness with you. And that's about the only thing that works for me. I choose God in the midst of chaos. Now, the reading of step 10 from the 12 and 12. Listen up, please. Perk your ears up like this is the first time you ever heard it. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. I was at a meeting today, and we read this when we were wrong, promptly admitting it. And that jumped out of the pages. I was reading chapter five. Here in Southern California, in the West Coast, we try and read uh, a portion of chapter five. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I do it out of memory. And I'm looking at the trees because we have meetings outside in the oak trees. We had a guy there with 47 years, my sponsor. We had a, one of his sponsees with 34 years uh, we have another guy with 17 years then then myself with 27 years and then the other guys with 5 and then we had a guy that drank a couple of days ago so it was a big uh, it was interesting meeting and the point I'm making is I was reading it the uh, when we were wrong promptly admitting it and saying hey I messed up before it was hide 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 and cover cover up and don't know how to deal with it and and then it becomes um, a cut up cut up feeling problems that go deep in the heart so the best way to undo it is say thank you god for the way i'm feeling okay and that's our antidote that's our medicine that there's humor in it there's peace there's joy and we go to God first and admit our wrong. Thank you, God, I thought that. Thank you, God, I, I, I put action to that. Thank you, God, I did that. Thank you, God, for the way I'm feeling, for my emotional sobriety. And thank you, God, for the way my emotions my emotions are acting up. You keep thanking God, and you we will open up a reservoir, a channel of water, that will fill our reservoir, and we will never... Grow dry. We will always have love for ourselves and forgiveness for ourselves and forgiveness for others. We're doing life and life with abundantly. Life that works. I thank you, God, for my feelings just the way they are. Copy. Copy. All right. As we, work first steps, as we work the first nine steps, we prepare ourselves for the adventure of a new life. But when we approach step 10, we commence to put our AA way of living to practical use day by day, in fair weather or fall. Then comes the acid test. Can we stay sober, keep in emotional balance, and live to good purpose under all conditions? A continuous look at our assets and liabilities and a real desire to learn and grow by this means are necessities for us. We alcoholics have learned this the hard way. More experienced people, of course, in all times, places have practiced unsparing self-serving and criticism. For the wise has always known that no one can make much of his life until self-searching becomes a regular habit until he is able to admit and accept what he finds and until he patiently and persistently tries to correct what is wrong. When a drunk has a terrible hangover because he drunk heavily yesterday, he cannot live well today. But there is another kind of hangover which we all experience, whether we are drinking or not. That is the emotional hangover, the direct result of yesterday and sometimes today's excesses of negative emotion like anger, fear, jealousy, and the like. If we would live serenely today and tomorrow, we certainly need to eliminate these hangovers. This doesn't mean we need to wander morbidly around in the past. It requires an admission and correction of errors now. Our inventory enables us to settle with the past, when this is done we are really able to leave it behind us when our inventory is fu- is carefully taken and we have made peace with ourselves and conviction follows that tomorrow's challenges can be met as they come although all inventories are alike in principle the time factor does distinguish one from another there's the spot check inventory Taking at any time of the day. Whenever we find ourselves getting tangled up, there's the one we take at the day's end when we review the happenings of the hour just past. Here we cast up a balance sheet, crediting ourselves with things well done. I said, crediting ourselves with things well done. And chalking up debits were due. Then there's are those occasions when alone or in company of our sponsor or spiritual advisor, we make a careful review of our progress since that last time. Many AAs go in for annual or semi-annual house cleanings. Many of us also like the experience of an occasional retreat from the outside world where we can quiet down for an undisturbed day or so of self-overhaul and medication. Aren't these practices joy-killers as well as time-consumers? Must AA spend most of their walking hours dreading rehashing their sins of omission and commission? Well, hardly. The emphasis on inventory is heavy only because a great many of us have never really acquired the habit of accurate self-appraisal. Once this healthy practice has become grooved, it will be so interesting and profitable that The time it takes won't be missed, for these minutes and sometimes hours spent in self-examination are bound to make all the other hours of our day better and happier. And at length, our inventory becomes a regular part of everyday living rather than something unusual or set apart. Before we ask what a spot check inventory is, let's look at the kind of setting in which such an inventory can do its work. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. If somebody hurts us, we are on the sore. If we are in the wrong, also. But are there no exceptions to this rule? What about justifiable anger? If someone cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can we properly can we be properly angry with self-righteous folks? For for us of AA, there are dangerous exceptions. We have found that justified anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it. Few people have been more victimized by resentments than have we alcoholics it matters little whether, whether little whether our resentments were justified or not a burst of temper could spoil a day and a well nursed grudge could make us miserably ineffective nor were we ever, ever skillful in separating justified from unjustified anger as we saw it our wrath was always justified anger that occasional luxury of more balanced people could keep us on an emotional jag indefinitely, these emotions' drive benders often lead straight to the bottle. Other kinds of disturbances—jealousy, envy, self-pity, or hurt pride—did the same thing. A spot check inventory, takes, taken in the midst of such disturbances, can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Today, spot check is chief application to situations which arise in each day's march. The consideration of longstanding difficulties had better be postponed when possible. No time deliberately set aside for that purpose. The quick inventory is aimed at our daily ups and downs, especially those where people or new events throw us off balance and tempt us to make mistakes. In all these situations, we need self-restraint. Honest analysis of what is involved, a willingness to admit when the fault is ours, and an equal willingness to forgive when the fault is elsewhere. We need not to be discouraged when we fall into the error of our old ways, for these disciplines are not easy. We shall look for progress, not for perfection. Our first objective will be the development of self-restraint. This carries a top priority rating. When we speak or act hastily or rashly, the ability to be fair-minded and, and tolerates evaporates on the spot. One kind tirade, one unkind tirade, or one willful snap judgment can ruin our relationship with another person for a whole day or maybe for a whole year. Nothing pays off like the restraint of tongue and pen. We must avoid quick temper, criticism and furious power-driven argument. The sample goes, the saying goes for sulking or silent scorn. These are emotional booby traps baited with pride and vengefulness. Our first job is to do sidesteps, the straps. When we are tempted by the bait, We should train ourselves to step back and think, for we can neither think nor act to good purpose until the habit of self-restraint has become automatic. Disagreeable or unexpected problems are not only the ones that call for self-control. We must be quite as careful when we begin to achieve some measure of importance or material success. For no people have ever loved personal triumphs more than we alcoholics. We drank of success of a wine which could never fail to make us feel elated. When temporary good fortune came our way, we indulge ourselves in fantasies of still greater victories over people and circumstances, thus blinded by prideful self-confidence we were apt to play the big shot, of course, people turned away from us, bored or hurt. Now that we're in AA and sober and winning back the esteem of our friends and business associates, we find that we still need to exercise special vigilance as an insurance against big shotism. We can often check ourselves by remembering that we are today sober Only by the grace of God, and that any success we may be having is far more his success than ours. Finally, we begin to see that all people, including ourselves, are to some extent emotionally ill, as well as frequently wrong. And then we approach true tolerance and see what real love for our fellow actually means. It will become more and more evident as we go forward that it is pointless to become angry or to get hurt by people who, like us, are suffering from the pains of growing up. Such a radical change in our outlook will take time, maybe a lot of time. Not many people can truthfully assert that they love everybody. Most of us must admit that we have love, but a few that we have been quite indifferent to the many so long as none of them gave us trouble. And as far as for the remainder, well, we have really disliked or hated them. Although these attitudes are common enough, we AAs find we need something much better in order to keep our balance. We can't stand it if we hate deeply. The idea that we can be possessively loving of a few can ignore the many and can continue to fear or hate anybody, has to be abandoned. It is only a little at a time, if only. We can stop trying to make unreasonable demands upon those we love. We can show kindness where we have shown none. With those we dislike, we can begin to practice justice and courtesy, perhaps being out of our way to understand and help them perhaps going out of our way to help them. Whenever we fail any of these people, we can promptly admit it to ourselves always and to them also when the admission would be careful. Courtesy, kindness, justice, and love are the keynotes by which we may come into harmony with practical anybody. When in doubt, we can always pause saying, Not my will, but thine would be done. And we can often ask ourselves, am I doing to others as I would have them do to me today? When evening comes, perhaps just before going to sleep, many of us draw up a balance sheet for the day. This is a good place to remember that inventory taking is not always done in red ink. It's a poor day indeed when we haven't done something right. As a matter of fact, we... The walking hours are usually well filled with things that are constructive. Good intentions, good thoughts, and good acts are there for us to see. Even when we have tried hard and failed, we may chalk that up as one of the greatest credits of all. Under these conditions, the pains of failure are converted into assets. Out of them, we receive the stimulation. We need to go forward. Someone who knew what he was talking about once remarked that pain was the touchstone of all spiritual progress. How heartily we AAs can agree with him. For we know that the pains of drinking had to come before sobriety and emotional turmoil before serenity. As we glance down the side of the day's ledger, we should carefully examine our motives in each thought or act that appears to be wrong. In most cases, our motives won't be hard to see and understand. When prideful, angry, jealousy, anxious, or fearful, we acted accordingly. And that was that. Here, we need only recognize that we did act or think badly. Try to visualize how we might have done better. And resolve with God's help to carry these lessons over into tomorrow. Making a course any amends still neglected. But in other instances, only the closest to scrutiny will reveal what our true motives are or were. There are cases where our ancient enemy, realization, has stepped in and has justified conduct which was really wrong. The temptation here is to imagine that we have had good motives and reasons when we really don't. We constructively criticize someone who needs it. When our real movie was to win, real motive was to win on useless argument or the person concerned not being present, we thought we were helping others to understand him. When in actuality our true motive was to feel superior by pulling him down. We sometimes hurt those we love because they need to be taught a lesson. When we really want to punish when we really want to punish, we were depressed and complaining, we felt bad. When in fact we were mainly asking for sympathy and attention. This whole we were depressed and complaining we felt bad when in fact we were mainly asking for sympathy and attention. This odd trait of mind and emotion, this perverse wish to hide a bad motive underneath a good one, permeates human affairs from top to bottom. This subtle and elusive kind of self-righteousness can underlie the smallest act or thought. Learning daily to spot admit, and correct these flaws in the essence of character building and good living an honest regret for harms done, a genuine gratitude for blessings received, and a willingness to try for better things tomorrow, will be the permanent asset. Of the, permanent asset we shall seek, having so consider our day, not omitting to take due notice of things well done, and having searched our hearts for neither fear nor favor. We can truly thank God for the blessings we have received and sleep in good conscience. Amen. The word Thank you for listening to today's podcast of the Step 10